Well, good morning and happy anniversary, One Community. It's so exciting to be able to celebrate our second year as a church officially this day. As Andrew mentioned, two years ago on this day, we started back in the barn, uh, the uh, lodge at Mercy Lane, and it was a really sweet beginning. And we didn't know what all God was going to form out of that moment, but God has formed One Community Church, and you guys have been just a super awesome group of people to do life and ministry with. I count it a great privilege to be your pastor and if you uh, view me as your pastor, um, I am really honored to be so. I can just tell you for sure. And so today is going to be a different day for us. I'm not going to teach from First Peter today. Uh, today's a vision update. We want to celebrate some things today. We're going to look forward to some things today. We're going to do some things that we probably have never done before in terms of just being able to just talk. I want you to kind of think of this as gathering up almost like at the kitchen table and and we're just having a big family meeting, so if you're a guest with us today for the first time, well, welcome to One Community and welcome to the dinner table. So we're, we're going to just have a good chat. In fact, if we get all done here in, in timely way, that I'd like to just open up even for some comments or questions when we're done, and it's totally fine to do that. It's, that's the kind of environment we're going to have here today. And so hopefully when you came in, you received one of our vision update pieces. You'll need this because that's what I'm going to work from today. Did, if you didn't, um, Caleb's got some, I think, or we can get them. Raise your hand if you don't have one of these yet. You do need it. Looks like, are we batting a thousand? Uh, no, we're batting 98%. All right, so we got a few stragglers out there that need these. Make sure we get them to everybody. Guys, this morning, uh, I want to just celebrate something that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a commission, and that is to go make disciples. We know in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, he said that all Power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go make disciples or go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And so our objective as a church, taking that great commission, we want to put the hands and feet to that every day as the Lord would lead. And so everything we're going to talk about today is really with that intent and purpose in mind. We know that the church is the body of Christ, that Jesus uh, being God personified and in the flesh here, when he ascended up on high, he left behind some things. He obviously left behind the word of God, so we now have a written form of the word because he was the word himself. He also left the Holy Spirit and said that the Holy Spirit would come, and certainly the Spirit of God did come, so... We have the Spirit of God to dwell inside of us, to seal our salvation and affirm to us the things of God. But we also have the church of the living God, the body of Christ. And so he as our head and we as his body. And so we are hands and feet and all the, all the parts of the body. And we are designed as the church then to carry out the same mission that Jesus had when he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we know that's why we exist as a church. We love our fellowship together. We love to have community together. We love all those things. And all of that is important as a body because we learn the one another's together as a church of how to love each other and how to care for one another and to encourage each other and share in things likewise with each other. But one of the things that is, is imperative of the church, God left the church in a stewardship to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ that salvation is available to all. And so that message is to go throughout all the world. And so we, we want to steward that and do a very good job with that and be faithful to what God has given. And so today we're going to share in that, of, well, what has God done in our last two years as a church? 
as we have purpose to make disciples who love, learn, and live Jesus. That's been our, our objective since we started. I think I could safely say that God's hand has been on our church. When I look at our church, even this last year being the most difficult, I think I've heard several people say, I'm just looking forward to 2020 going away. And I think I, we could all probably agree with that sentiment. But as much as it has been a difficult year on so many levels, personally, for our families, for our church, for everybody, um, you know, God's hand has been good. God's been faithful. In God's faithfulness, what we see in God, what I have observed in this is God has uh, kept one community as a, as a church family together. We have learned even more about how to learn, love one another and serve one another and care for one another. And we've prayed for one another. We have supplied things um, for one another. God's hand's been on our church even to strengthen our, our membership. You wouldn't think in a time like this that our membership would grow. And when people are in and out every week with, with uh, COVID protocols or whatever, but our membership as a church has continued to go up. And, uh, and God has added people to the body as it pleased Him. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful that uh, our student ministry has multiplied. You know, about a year ago, when our student ministry would get together out at Heritage Post in uh, downtown Rogersville, they would have uh, several volunteer leaders there and workers there, and, and maybe two students. It was tough. And they were faithful week after week after week, getting after it and uh, trying to reach kids for Christ. But you know, now the uh, students are meeting on a weekly basis, and it's pretty consistent. 15, 20, 20 plus kids coming every week to student ministry. Man, we need to rejoice in that. That's a huge celebration of what God's doing there to reach young people. And we want to see that multiply. And we're going to trust God that our student ministry will continue to multiply and go forward. Our table ministry for our young adults, uh, we celebrate the outreaches. That, you know, that, that ministry has been really challenging this year because it's often been very university-based. God's given us the opportunity to be uh, official organizations of universities at both Drury, or excuse me, at OTC and at, uh, at Missouri State, and we're pursuing that now at Drury as well. But trying to have a, a formidable footprint in any of those places to communicate with students is very challenging, especially this year. But God's still given us opportunities there. Our table ministry has other outreach opportunities that come with it. But one of the things that's happened in our table group is they're kind of aging up. And um, where a lot of our students that were just university students have now uh, are upperclassmen or graduated, going on to grad school, even beyond grad school, and employed as young professionals in our community. It has changed the dynamic of our outreach opportunities because it's very much into the workforce, not just into the university bases. And so we're, we're trusting God for a lot there on what that, what that looks like going forward, but We've been really grateful to continue to meet through several months. Um, the table was able to meet at my home outdoors. Guys, it is pretty phenomenal that from the month of June until the end of September, we met every Tuesday night at my house, and then we did not get rained out one time. Now, the drought was a little difficult, but, the, but we didn't get rained out of the table. It was really actually pretty awesome. But now we're back at uh, Grace Classical. They've got a great facility for us, and that has worked well. In, and, and with that, I, I want to mention that we have been really blessed uh, with the facilities that God's given our church to meet in. We, we meet all over the county. And everywhere we can find a, a building that will accommodate us and take us in, we, we try to get there for something. And that has been challenging this year as well because of the limitations of occupancy in a lot of places. And so God has just continued to provide as he 
Well, as he always does. I want to celebrate today, looking back in as the right even current of our discipleship ministry and the discipleship involvement, volume of people that are in disciple relationships, which means they're either meeting together one-on-one in discipleship and being established in, in the faith, being established in the fundamentals of the faith and in serving and in their understanding of who God is, or they're meeting in smaller uh, group circles and, and growing in faith in those environments as well. But there is a tremendous number of people in our church that are involved in discipleship, and it's really the heartbeat of our church. We are, we are not an event-driven um, community. That's not what we are about as a church. We, we desire to uh, be a discipleship-type church, which means that when you come to faith in Christ, that you have a responsibility to grow in your faith in Christ and turn around then and lead other people to Christ and help them grow in Christ as well. And we want to take that ministry, and it's, very, it's, it's as a collective group, but it's also on an individual basis where you are equipped as a minister in whatever capacity, whatever circles God puts you into to be an effective minister there to make disciples. I believe it's why you're on the planet. I believe it's the role of the church is to equip us for that purpose. And so it really thrills my heart when so many people are choosing to engage in discipleship, which takes another part of your life and commitment because it's beyond the scope of just Sunday morning engagement. And we love Sunday morning gatherings. We, this is a great time for us as a church to come together every week celebrating what God's doing in our life. But it takes another whole part of your life if you're going to engage in discipleship because it's going to take a, it takes more time. And, and this year, it has been so challenging. Many people uh, continued disciple relationships through Zoom meetings and phone conversations in various ways. But I will tell you guys, I think through discipleship is one of the most strategic manners of ministry in especially a time like we're living now possible because it's still very legal and very realistic for me to meet with people one-on-one or one with two uh, in any environment and it's safe to do that it's, a, it's good to do that um, and I want to encourage that if I could flan, fan the flame of our discipleship ministry more and I'm going to talk about it even more here in a moment but I want to celebrate that today uh, in our church I want to celebrate faithful servants. God's blessed this church with many faithful servants. A lot of behind-the-scenes people to do things every week. You see all the people on the stage, and I appreciate them much. All the people, and I say this a lot, but everybody that's on this stage on a week-to-week basis, they get here super early on Sunday mornings, and they're the last to go home every Sunday because they tear it, set it all up and tear it all down and do everything in between. There's practices that happen during the course of the week. And obviously all the technology people in the back they're here stride for stride in that week after week after week. Guys, we couldn't function if they didn't do their function. We have faithful servants that are serving always in children's ministry, people that are throughout the rest of the building that are in hospitality, making things happen the way it goes. But there's so much else that happens even behind the scenes of our church on a week-to-week basis, things that never really get a lot of spotlight. And so I just want to say to you today, our church is made up of a lot of faithful servants that are able to accomplish many things for the Lord, but means that they have set aside their lives for the purpose of the ministry and, um, and are faithful to do what God has given them to do. And I, man, th- Lord, thank you. I want to also thank the Lord today for our new mission partners. This last year, we've really bolstered our relationship locally with Safe Haven, which is a ministry in Rogersville that, uh, that really tries to meet the need of people that have about three weeks worth of income, but they need four. 
And so they always come up just a little short at the end of a month. And so they, um, the way it's described is they, we really come alongside people that are underemployed and try to help them no matter what age to get to the end of the month. And so, guys, you have done just an amazing job of bringing in food supplies and um, resources to assist Safe Haven on a month-to-month basis. And so, Caleb, I don't know how many potatoes. I saw the back of your truck. It was slammed full of potatoes this week. But you guys just keep bringing in potatoes, and that's been fantastic. It was We partnered together with other churches to accomplish what needs to happen for Safe Haven, but that's been a really sweet blessing in community. The Dogwood Valley Ranch, you'll hear more from them later about the details of that ministry, but that's down in Ozark. And they, uh, they meet specific needs um, for people in the foster system or those who have aged out of the foster system. And so they use equine therapy to accomplish a lot of their purposes. And so it's been a privilege this year to come alongside with them and provide a lot of human resource mostly. But uh, it's been a blessing to get to know Dogwood Valley Ranch and, and what they do and how they're doing. Uh, obviously recent, we, uh, we began a ministry, a partnership with um, the Nappers in Northwest Africa. And um, so many of you have engaged in that already, whether you're sponsoring a child that's a part of their orphanage or their school system, um, or you're praying for him or have given economically in some way. But our church has established a partnership with the Nappers that is gonna, we pray it'll be a long-term one. He is a very unique individual to kind of come in behind the scene with a lot of the national pastors to train them and equip them to do the work of the ministry. You don't see him as a traditional um, missionary type of guy that's out in the front pastoring some church and all that. No, he takes about four steps back from it all and meets with the guys in the background so that all the nationals are always up in the front. And so I can tell you this, a few weeks ago, um, we were able to give them several dollars, uh, several thousand dollars to build a facility for another orphanage. And they've already, man, he sent me pictures. They're already getting after it on that thing. You sponsored several kids who are already going to plug into the schools that are established. So praise God for that. Um, we're planning to take a team there this next year as well. And so, man, there's much to be appreciative for in the Lord in that. But also in recent, I've mentioned to you all, um, Lauren and Nichelle, they, uh, they were part of a ministry that we were in Asia, and I appreciate them much. They're very faithful young ladies. They are continuing to, to live and to work in, in Asia, um, even with all the COVID. They did not choose to come home when things got a little bit difficult back in the wintertime. And as a result, they could just stay put. If they came back, they'd never get to go back. But they're still there. They're plugging right along. And uh, Amy and I have had a close relationship, and the Greens have as well with them for a long time. But um, the church that was kind of their sending church has, has come a lost communication with them over time. And uh, guys, I, I'm passionate about this. But when people are serving abroad, they have to have a backstop over here. They have to have support from home of people who love them, support them, pray for them, and encourage them. And they're not asking for our money at all. Um, they didn't even ask for our support. We just know they need it. They need people who will stand in the gap for them and pray fervently for them. And so that's a relationship that doesn't have any economic bearing on our church. But by all means, we want to come behind those young ladies and uh, support them and what they're doing. And they are doing a great job and are enduring much hardness in the space that they're in. And so uh, we need to pray for them. I want to encourage you today, 
uh, and guide us in prayer out of Psalm 105. As we look back with celebration, there's probably things that I, I forgot to mention that I should have, but I want to just, from Psalm 105 this morning, says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him, sing psalms to Him, talk of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Remember His marvelous works which He has done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. I want you just to bow your heads with me as we just praise the Lord and thank the Lord today. You take the time. You, you pray right now and give thanks. Lord, we give thanks to your holy name this morning. We give thanks to you, O God, you are faithful. We want to give thanks to you and praise you for your marvelous works as this psalm just gave us the instruction for. Lord, your, your mighty hand of power is upon us. Lord, you have walked with all of us through very difficult seasons. Many in this room, Lord, this year have suffered greatly and hardships, and sorrows, losses, constant challenges, and changes, and difficulties. And yet, Lord, when we look back over a year, we still see that you are faithful, you are good, you are trustworthy, and certainly you do abide with us. Lord, we look at all the ministry things that you have strengthened our church with, and Lord, we're just a young church, we're a baby church. But Lord, you have fortified our church with more people and have joined the team. And Lord, you've, you've given us ministry opportunities we didn't have before. And you've given us new partnerships around the globe we didn't have before. Lord, you've been faithful. Lord, we know that your, your passion is to see people come to Christ. You, you pursue people, the power of the Spirit of God. You, you empower us, Lord, to proclaim your message to the, to the world. And so, Lord, we want to praise you today and thank you just for giving us the stewardship and the privilege to be the ministers of the living God. We do ask God today that you would give us your vision. That, Lord, we would run in the, run in the race that you would have us to run in the lane that you would have us run in. That our eyes not be set on other ministries and other churches and what everybody else is doing, but, Lord, what do you have us do? And we just focused our attention there. Lord, you are a good God. You gave your best for us. And we thank you for Jesus today. It's his name we pray. Amen. So much to celebrate. And I'm sure all of you could add a pile of things on a personal level that you could celebrate today. But I just wanted to name a few of those today for our church. You know, there's much to anticipate. I think the word anticipate because... Um, I don't want to presume things upon the Lord. However, 
In Luke chapter 11, when the disciples were learning to pray, Jesus gave them some instruction. And he told them about a manner in which to pray, but he also said this in Luke eleven nine. 9. He said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. There's an anticipation if you walk up to knock on a door, you're not doing it in vain. That the person on the other side will respond and open the door to you. It is anticipated that if you ask a question, you will get a response. And so it's the same manner with the Lord that He's instructing us that as we come to Him, we should anticipate. We always know that we're praying in the will of God, so we want to always pursue God. What is your will in this matter? But there's things that we're asking God for. And so this next part of our um, anticipation here will be really a prayer list for all of us for, for the next several months, maybe the next year. I'd like to share with you what I believe God has for us, but I want to use the book of Acts to accomplish that. In Acts chapter 11, I, I will say that, you know, I just came back from a... Uh, a vision conference at another church and had the privilege to preach at another ministry and it was really a blessing to be a part of that. I was grateful to the Lord for that. By the way, thank you, Caleb, for preaching the word last week. I've heard nothing but great things, so thanks for being a faithful um, steward of the word. But you know, one of the things you learn is you get with people from all over the globe and, uh, and everyone's church functions a little bit differently. Structure's a little different how we go about things. The, the commission doesn't change and our purpose doesn't change to make disciples and multiply our church. That doesn't change no matter where on the planet you are. Look, that part looks or sounds the same. But all the details internal, so different. And you go to the Bible and you're trying to find, well, why didn't God just give us like this perfect little sketch on how church is supposed to look? You know, what's the order of service supposed to be like? And what, well, what kind of music are you supposed to play? And what kind of committees are you supposed to have? And well, who's supposed to steward this? And how's that supposed to work for that? And God gives you none of that. Instead, he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives you the diversity of people. And he brings all of that together as one. And then says, now here, he gives you principles to follow. And you got, you're guided by those governing principles. But there's so much latitude internal about how things function. And so it's beautiful in this because everybody of that I've ever been a part of or have ever been uh, uniquely able to go in and just observe, they're all unique unto themselves. Every church is, and praise God for that. They all have different personalities and gifts and abilities, and God uses different churches to reach different spaces in the world. We're not all the same, and I'm thankful for that. But when I go to the book of Acts chapter 11, I get to observe uh, a church situation here. And chapter 11, verse 19 says, Now those who were scattered... After the persecution that arose over Stephen, remember he was the one that was stoned, and so persecution has really gotten amped up big, and now the people are being dispersed. Well, they, these that were dispersed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, which... If you think of Cyprus as an island spot and Cyrene is North Africa, so these are two different places, geography again, totally different cultures, different way of life. 
And these guys come together and they're now coming to Antioch, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, which are the Greek speakers, preaching the Lord Jesus. And verse 21 says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. Now that's powerful. That's why I mentioned this first. The hand of the Lord has been with one community. But here's what you find out about this church in Antioch as it's being formed. It was formed out of a difficult time. You know, our church is only two years old, but this last year has been a big challenge. It's a very difficult season for us as, as Americans. But God, has, has, His hand has been upon us, and we have reflected on that a little bit already. But the hand of the Lord was upon this church. A great number of them believed and turned to the Lord. Well, then news of these, came, these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Here's what happens. When God's hand's on something, the news of that begins to travel. So here's a church that is birthed out of diversity and adversity, both. The diversity comes from the fact that it's people from all different walks of life from all over because they've been persecuted and they're just seeking refuge together and they found a spot together and now they're doing life together. So it's that adversity that brought them together, but the diversity of it made it a beautiful church. Well, that's us. I don't know how much adversity brought us together necessarily, but certainly diversity brought us together. We all come from different walks of life, from different parts of the county, many of us coming from different parts of the country, ultimately, and now here we are. Well, the hand of the Lord was on them. This church is multiplying. This good news of what's going on in Antioch has now made its way all the way to Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Go scope this out. So when he had came and seen the grace of God, how do you see the grace of God? We think of the grace as something we receive, but how do you see grace? The grace of God would have been so evident, it would have been seen in the people who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Their manner of life, because now their Christ followers would be different, they've tasted the grace of God. They've received it. You'd see the grace of God in the fact that, wow, here's all these Greek speakers who have now received Christ when originally this message was only going out to the Jewish people. And now you're watching Jew and Gentile people coming together in the same spot. Well, that's like impossible. Not only that, but you have countries of people, geography-wise, coming together, and they're all preaching the same message. The good news of the gospel that Jesus died, buried, and rose again. So you've got people coming from Cyprus and Cyrene, in Phoenicia, they're coming from everywhere, all diverse, but all saying the same thing. And Barnabas gets there from Jerusalem. He sees that is the grace of God. The only thing they can explain what's happening there, that's the grace of God. He sees the grace of God, and he was glad, and he, and he encouraged them and all that with purpose of heart that they should continue in the Lord. For he was a good man. Barnabas' character is solid. He's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And here's what you observe in this. Here comes Barnabas. He's a man full of faith. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of character. He's a good man. And now he's full of fruit because he's also full of the Holy Spirit. So what comes out of his life, his manner of life is consistent with the message of God. But his, his um, words are consistent with the message of God as well. And he's preaching the gospel and people are coming to Christ. Many. Well, as this church multiplied, he needed help. Why does he need help? And this would probably be the hidden secret right here in the gem of this text. 
is the fact that you have people from Cyprus and Cyrene, Phoenicia and all these others, they're all speaking the gospel and people are getting saved. Praise the Lord for that. Barnabas shows up. He's preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Praise God for that. But he knows he needs another helper to be able to disciple people, to help them grow in the faith. He needs another teacher to come alongside. Well, if you just looked at your Bible from a position of evangelism only, and that's the only mechanism of the church is just win the lost, win the lost, win the lost, Barnabas is doing just grand. And the others that are there are fine. But that wasn't the total mission because to train up now a group of people that would know the word of God and be able to multiply the word of God and multiply that church, Barnabas went to get help. And he knew the guy you needed to go get was Saul, or we know him as Paul. So um, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. What a great scene. He goes to get Saul, strategic man, because Saul was somebody who grew up in Judaism. He was the master of Judaism. He knew it better than anybody. But he had also been anointed by God to be the minister to the Gentiles. So you go get the guy who can teach. Either way we go here, he can teach that. But when they, he and Barnabas came together back at Antioch, they taught a great many people. They multiplied the ministry of the word. So that this church would become established in the word of God. So people would know the word well and be able then to multiply this church going forward. They made disciples as we might use that term. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And there's several reasons they were called Christians. And usually when someone, the name of someone ends with I-A-N-S. Okay, you have the Ephesians because they are from Ephesus or they identify with Ephesus, right? The Colossians, they are Colossi people. Well, a Christian is someone who openly identifies as a follower of Christ, and you're now called little Christ or part of him. It's a great, it was used in the day as a derogatory term, but quite frankly, it's quite a compliment. Because they were so openly identified with Christ and who Christ is that they were then called Christians because of the reality of the relationship they had with him but here's what we observe in this whole church. A church birthed out of adversity and diversity. The hand of the Lord is upon it. It begins to grow and begins to multiply. God puts teachers in the pathway here in order to make disciples who ultimately make disciples and this church will then continue its multiplication effort. But it's not just about the ministry of the word because they also got this heads up from a prophet who comes and lets them know there's going to be a great dearth or a famine in the land. A big problem. Probably on the scale of a pandemic. In verse 27, In these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. You get to see some more diversity here. The church becomes aware of a problem in another part of the world. Not too far away, but they gathered their resources together. There were stewards then given responsibility to steward it. Once it was time to hand it off, they put it in the hands of Barnabas and Saul 
And those two guys are going to take off to Jerusalem and now distribute it uh, in the land of Judea as, as it should be. So you see stewardship happening. You see the collection of the saints happening. You're watching now this uh, responsibility of those who are going to carry it out taking place. But it's also in a time of great adversity, tremendous adversity. But it was also this care of this church for what was happening in other places of the world, not just what's going on in their location. When you think about this church's beginning, they're all in Antioch because they were a persecuted people. They're, they've lost their homes. They're not with all their families. They're a scattered group of people that are now doing life together. And when, they're made, when a problem is made known or a need is made known somewhere else, their heart was immediately open for that. How can we help? It's why they were first called Christians in Antioch. It was just indicative of their character to be like Christ that way. It's cool to watch, but in chapter 13, this same church as it's matured, now the church, verse thir chapter 13, verse 1, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. They ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And here's what you watch. A church that has now matured is now sending out missionaries. They're laying hands on people and sending them abroad. Why is that? Because it's God's heart to win the nation. And so he takes every local church and his heart is to take from that local church and send to the nations to multiply the gospel everywhere. Not, it's funny though in our day because not every local church goes to the exact same places. God puts it on the heart of one community church. He points us into a direction by the power of the Holy Spirit. He leads us in directions that we may go. And we follow him there. That's where he's at work. And we're going to join him there. And I love the diversity of that. But if you just step back from this little roadmap of, of ministry that I just showed you in Acts 11 and now 13, you get a bit of a template of, well, what are we supposed to be about? What is our church for? Which then gives us the vision of how to anticipate and pray for things moving forward. Let me share just a few of these things with you. In the next upcoming year, something that we're wanting to develop is a Discipleship One team. What does this mean? We're all in a discipleship. There's a calling to all for making disciples. But I'd like to maybe help us understand this a little differently today that I recognize in the church that there are those who are, are gifted to teach. And it doesn't mean you stand up here every week and teach in a big corporate setting, but to even sit across the table one-on-one -on -one with somebody and share with them the Word of God, and teach them the fundamental principles of what it means to be a Christ follower. Not everybody is wired up that way. Everybody makes disciples, but not everybody's going to do ministry in that function. You know what? You can make disciples by the manner in which you serve and have people come alongside you, and you teach so much in the manner in which you serve, in how you communicate, and what you do. There's so many components to this. But... One of the things that I feel like is, is a need for our church, and God's given us some uh, observation here, is we need a team of people that are committed 
to making disciples that are really strategic about the relationship, teaching people to come alongside, being able to connect with people right where they are. If somebody's been a Christ follower for years but really just needs to get settled in their faith, or maybe somebody that's brand new to the faith or coming out of some difficult struggles, somebody that could just meet you where you're at and let's pick up from right here and let's plow forward and get established in the things of the Lord as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus. And a team of people that would focus their attention that way. One of the things that goes along in our discipleship uh, manner is discipling specific for specific need. We have needs of making disciples in marriage where what, it's not just classes where we attend classes for things, but these are alongsiders who can come along very strategic and help. Whether it's on the premarital side or it's after we've been married a while and we need some mentorships or whether it's in the area of parenting and whether you're with babies or getting older, it doesn't matter. But where you have alongsiders of people that have learned some things from the Word and, and God's given some uh, experiences of life of how do you... How do you do this as a Christ follower? That's what discipleship is. I take the faith that I've been given, the maturity that I've been given, and by relationship, share that with someone else. Guys, this is critical for our church internal, but this is ministry that can go outside of us so well because it's really what happens. I don't know about you, but most of the time for me, when I am going to engage in a gospel conversation with someone, it's usually in crisis. Now, I realize part of that's because I'm a pastor. And I get called into crisis a lot. But the reality is, people you know in your circles are often fading through life in one crisis after another. And I, it's my prayer that we as a church would be so equipped to just engage the gospel into those moments, in relationship in those moments, and then have, have um, avenues for people to be able to grow in, whether it's in marriage or parenting or finances and how to manage our resources God's way. The Bible says so much about that. These are very strategic. So with that, maybe someone, some of these really kind of hit your heart. Either you want to be on the learning side and yes, I need to receive that. I want to learn that. Or maybe you're in the spot to say, you know what? God's been pushing on my heart for a while and that's exactly the area of ministry I want to focus in. And I want to be, I want to really dial in on being able to help people in marriage or in finances or in, in children or child training or whatever. Guys, this is what our church needs. We need disciple makers. Strategic disciple makers for fundamentals of the faith and then all these other things I've just mentioned. There's something I believe about this, and that's everybody, including me, there's constant training that we need to be learning. Never stop learning. That's why we constantly have new training, discipleship training courses and things that we, we move people forward. Other things that are even outside of our own ministry that maybe we don't have the means right now to offer that to you, but there's places we can send you to and get some tools that'll help to grow in these particular areas but I believe it's the ministry of the local church is to make disciples and it's going to be connecting with people in all different dimensions of life. To see our multi to multiply our men and our women's study groups, you know, we have an incredible group right now, the Foxholes and women's study groups already taking place for, uh, in both men and women, but to see those begin to multiply. 
Um, it's another part of our discipleship because it meets a fellowship component in the Word. Continuing our leadership training. This is a very long track for us because I, I believe that it's my job as a pastor to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God under the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. I believe that's part of my job description. So as a result, um, constant training, uh, whether it's discipleship too, and ultimately I, I'm trusting God that someday we're going to start a Bible institute or a leadership institute where we would be able to, as a church, equip people for whatever God's got for them to do and be able to send them to wherever God was going to put them. I believe it's, it's the job of the church to do that. And so I look forward to that over these next several months of taking forward steps, more steps in that way. To also uh, fortify our serving team. We have great serving teams I mentioned earlier that are faithful. But guys, you can never have enough uh, faithful servants on a serving team. And especially years like this year have tested us in that area because we're always coming up one or two people short for obvious reasons. And so we need to fortify all of our serving teams. There's something here in, the, in or a ministry in the church or goes out of our church. There is something here for every person to do. No matter your age, your health condition, no matter what, there is something here every person in this room can do. Also, to expand our, our community groups. In the past, I, was, I wanted to make an adjustment here. I feel like it's needful, but we have referred to our once-a-month gathering groups as GAP groups, and that's been a great name. It kind of started as a once. Let's gather and pray. Hey, that sounds like GAP. Let's do that. So we called them a GAP. But I have observed through the last several months that maybe that term GAP requires explanation of, um, you're inviting you, me to your house for what? Yeah, it's, it's our GAP group. But then I have to explain, well, what's a GAP? Well, that's a gather, it stands for gather and pray. And it's like, woo, woo, woo. I'm not sure I'm ready to come to a prayer meeting at your house. And so, oh, it's a community group. And I'm like, you know, Dwayne, why don't you just call it community groups and quit being confusing. So we're going to rename our GAP groups to community groups, makes it a little easier to follow. Um, but our community groups, here's the function. We want to expand the functionality of those. Our community groups at present are designed so that every person who comes to one community fits into a group. And at the beginning, we kind of put you into a group just to make sure we were help being covering for everyone. The purpose behind the groups is to gather together and pray. So um, that's the primary function. Praying over the needs of the church, things that we know ever going on, also the needs of each other in that group. But it's also needful for those groups um, to be able to minister for the needs of that group and for the rest of the body. So we're wanting to utilize our community groups for bereavement or support meals whenever there's hospital stays or problems that need to, uh, people need meals. Um, it's the prayer support chains um, for when we need to be able to enact those as well. So our community groups is really a significant channel for all of the serving items of our church and crisis things, especially for our ministry. But everyone in this room and everyone that ever comes to one community fits to a community group. And that's what we desire is everybody to be engaged in that. And generally those meet one time per month in someone's home just so we can build the relationship and have those purposes met. 
And we also look forward to in this next year, Lord willing, to establish deacons. We've taken time for that. Um, you know, in the Bible, there's only a couple of bi biblical offices that are definitively seen. Um, the role of pastor, elder, bishop is a synonymous term uh, for one office, but there's an office of a deacon that's seen in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus as well. And so we're trusting God that in this next year, we can establish deacons for our ministry. And we'll spend the time to teach through that and explain what that is as we go. But that's something I'm asking God for in this next year. Um, much more. We're looking forward to the potential uh, to purchase property for a church building. Say, well, where's that? Well, that's a big problem because we don't know. <laughs> so that we're just, and we're trusting God for much in this, guys, to ask God, is this something he would even have us to do this next year? Yes or no? Uh, I'm asking. If I don't ask, I won't get anything, right? Um, I'm asking God for that, which means God's going to have to show us the where, the what, and all the details about it, but that's something that we're trusting God for in this next year. Um, we are super grateful for the places God's allowed us to meet. The school's been awesome, but um, we're also knowing that it's, we would love to have the opportunity to minister out of one facility, and we're trusting God for that. Um, our intentional community engagements, God's given us a lot of places for that this last year, especially through school systems, senior centers, uh, and in our communities. But we're asking God for more opportunities to engage into our community uh, where we are a genuine help. It's not just to give away things, but we, where we can engage with relational help and life into our community. Um, this isn't going to be a lot of come ye here for type of an event. I'm not sure that in the next several months that's a realistic option anyway. But it's us going into our communities um, very strategically. I have several things on my mind about that, but um, we're going to just trust God for one at a time. We'll, we'll talk about those as we go. Um, we will have a few more invite events. We've had these this last year with our marriage date nights uh, for men and women's groups as well that are very easy places for you to invite people from your work and school or whatever to come to something um, that's very much a family environment. And so we, we want to continue those. Um, our student ministry, we're trusting God to give us some more on-campus involvement. A lot of things we did in the previous several months before COVID hit got cut off because not allowing volunteers on campuses. But we're asking God to open those doors back. We're trusting God for a summer camp for our student ministry. We had to cancel ours this last year. That was a bummer. And so we're going to ask God to have that next time. Um, our children's ministry expansion through not only what we do here, but going into community. Uh, several months ago, I went to the sheriff uh, local and asked him kind of how could our church be of any asset to you, to you all? And he said, you know, and he pointed to an apartment complex up the street. He said, that building's slammed full of children who have no direction. He said, if you guys can help them find some direction, maybe they won't find their way here. <laughs> uh, you know, that's pretty smart. And so, there's some opportunities for us to engage very specific towards children um, that we're looking for. And uh, we, we're hoping to be able to have a, a Bible-centered, mission-centered retreat for our table ministry to motivate our young, young adults for the mission that God has. Um, we're also looking forward to um, taking a team to Northwest Africa in the month of June. And we'll hopefully next week we'll have more details about that. Um, we were anticipating this last year to go to Nicaragua for a pastor training time, and we're not able to go, but we're asking God to be able to go next time. 
and sit down with a bunch of national pastors and provide a four-day training uh, course, um, again, in Nicaragua. But also, we want to expand our mission partnerships. God, you're at work all over the world, and we want to partner with you wherever you're at. And so that's our objective, guys. These are a handful of things that we can go to God and pray over and trust God for as we anticipate uh, moving forward as a church. Does it give all the details? No, of course not. And this is a week to week. I'm trying to today just give you a thumbnail sketch of these are things that we can ask God to accomplish in our church. On the next page, give some detailed information that I wanted to share with you today. First off, I want to just appreciate uh, the stewards that God's given our church. Um, when we first started as a church, you have to incorporate to be able to meet like this. And so we uh, incorporated in the state of Missouri, which means you have to have a president and vice president, secretary, treasurer. So we meet those uh, requirements. And, but, but that wasn't just putting names on roles. That was strategically men who are faithful men who are stewards. And they've stewarded well. And I, we just recently were able to add another steward uh, to our group. But I'm going to ask these guys, if you're all here today, uh, Doug Page, stand up. Jeff Morgan, John George, and Tori Amstet are the men that God's given for our ministry to steward some resources here. Thank you, men. These guys have done a great job, by the way. From day one... Uh, they have an oversight role. They're not elders, as a biblical elder would be seen in the scriptures. That's not the title they have. They're trustees. And as a trustee, they are stewarding the resources and stewarding even some ministry functions. But we'd come up with a budget and establish how we're going to function as a church. And then they carry that out in, in the details of that on a week-to-week -week and month-to-month -month basis. And so, man, this next page is a thrill for me to share this with you, just to let you see what's going on with one community. First off, I want to just tell you that you can look at the numbers on this thing. And this is full transparency. Everything we've got, it's all right here in front of you. But we've got a checking account that has some dollars in it. You can see in a money market account that actually accrues interest. Praise God for that. And then, so we have a good asset base. But fortunately, because we don't own anything, um, we owe no man. And so our asset base is very solid. The guys have been very faithful all along to just keep setting aside the monies. We, obviously, you have to establish a budget of how you're going to live, just like you would do in your home. And every month, we, we seem to do well of receiving beyond our budget. Praise God for that. And when that happens, any of the money that's extra, they put it aside, some for building and some for mission. And so from day one, when we started this church, 10% um, of all resources that comes in automatically goes to mission. But there's also another uh, aspect of that, that anything that's over the budget gets also tithed again to missions, but then also goes into a building fund or a future of what God would have for us in terms of facility. And so then you can see the numbers of how that plays out. So this is year-to-date information of our general fund receipts, interest that's been accrued, and where we're at today, total revenue for our ministry. This is from January till October 31st. The rest of this would be the expenses based on a budgetary line item of where are we, okay? And so, get this everywhere and read it. So these are the expenses that we have uh, accomplished on each one of these so far this year. And so if you get down, I'm not going to read all these to you, but what, what do these accomplish? You have basic ministry things that take place. 
our local mission partners, our global partners. Well, when you accumulate our total missions, this year we have given, guys, as a church, $34,000 has gone out to support missionaries and other local ministry partners. If you look at how much money has come in, our total revenue, it looks a whole lot like 10%. Praise God. And if you haven't just like said amen in your soul, we need to wake up here. Praise God, man. This is incredible that God has given us the opportunity to bless some others as he's taking care of us. We have, obviously, uh, rental facil- on our facilities. We have operating costs that functions here. And so you have a total operating budget that takes place. And then we also have two full-time employees, two part-timers as well, with all the taxes, benefits, and things that go along with that. So what's the net at the end of the day? Our total expenses year to date that we would have budgeted for um, is 246. Praise God, our total revenue has been over 300, 339. So we have a net on the positive side year to date of $93,000 year to date in our church. Praise the Lord. That is so much to praise the Lord for. And so we're looking forward to um, what does God have for us to do? And I want to say again, I want to commend the men whom you all have entrusted, but I did as well. I mean, when we first started, I had to ask each of those guys, would you sit in that role and take on that stewardship responsibility? And they did and still do. And now, as we have continued to go forward, I just want to commend our whole church. You're all faithful. You know, sitting with other pastors, and I, I spend a lot of time per week right now on the phone and ministering to other people that uh, are having a tough time. Maybe they're in a tough part of the world. Uh, maybe it's another part of our country where they can't meet, and ministry has really gone down, and giving's gone down with that, and they're, they're not sure what's next. And guys, I just want to say it's a praise to the Lord of his working through you, but it's your responsiveness to the Lord in your faithfulness. As a collective church, I can just say, guys, you've been faithful. And because of that, God's entrusting us with much. To whom much is given, much is required.